0: You can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The feed hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. They offer just about every battery under the sun. From car and truck batteries to batteries for your trail cameras and rangefinders, Select retail locations even offer cell phone repair and cracked screen repair. Find a local retail location at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
1: Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and Rural Real Estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Matt Dye, and I am excited to be able to be bringing on a guest this week. This week, we have got Ryan Manners, Ryan and his good friend Bucky work property together that Bucky owns in southern Ohio. I had the privilege of working with the two of them this past year. I guess it was actually it was this year. It was back in March, so it was really pretty recent. We're talking 6 months at most that they've had a plan in place and working diligently. And the reason that Ryan is coming on this week is, is to hear from the shoes and the perspective of a landowner who's going just super efficient, tackling amazing projects and seeing results in such a short time frame. And so every week Adam and I talk about these practices, how to apply them, the value that they bring. And so this is hopefully going to change that perspective and say, okay, time to hear from someone who's done it, who's doing it, and who's going to continue to do it down the road because of the success that they've seen just in six months. And so this is straight from the horse's mouth kind of podcast. That Ryan is going to let you in. He's going to talk to you about the farm. He's going to talk to you about the consultation. He's going to talk to you about the mindset of being a landowner. He's going to talk to you about the the wins that they've had. The um, let's say I'm just going to call it the aggressiveness that they've attacked this property now that they know what to do. They've got a streamlined process in place. They're just efficient. They're animals at 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 accomplishing this. And um, it, it's super awesome to sit back and just see them progress so rapidly and watch the landscape improve at the same time. So you guys are going to get a, a chance to listen to that today. And um, I hope that you see the value and the perspective that, that Ryan shares um, about how to go about tackling such a property that started out super invasive heavy. You know, there was challenges to this property. Um, and so so you'll hear him talk about that throughout this podcast of, of some of the things that they faced and some of the, let's say, the, the operating procedures, the steps, the strategy that went in behind uh, or in the making of developing a site-specific plan. So um, guys, sit back and listen and, and, and listen with an open mind about how they are going forward in their land management. They're, they're, they're both driven individuals. And and what I love is the the legacy mindset. They want to make this place better. And if that's a if that's a, a driving force for you, you guys will really resonate with with Ryan as as he goes through this podcast and explains it. So without further ado, here's an interview with Ryan Unfortunately, Bucky wasn't able to come on the podcast, but but you will hear from, from Ryan about all the things that these two are accomplishing at their property in Southern Ohio. Hope you guys enjoy. Alrighty, Ryan, are you there? I'm here. Perfect, man. I appreciate your time and willingness to come on the podcast and um, share your experiences about this property And uh, your relationship with Bucky, this is just an awesome opportunity, I think, for you to be able to share with everyone who's listening what it's like to have a consultation, to get a plan back, and then to just go full bore, attacking that property, attacking the plan, and sharing that success. So, you know, again, thank you for, for your your time but your openness to be able to share what you guys have seen um you know success failures throughout this process and it hasn't only been what six months maybe since since we uh, since i visited you
2: yeah that's right it seems like it was not that long ago but but yeah about six months ago early march uh, we had Matt out to the property and kind of started this journey on on what we're working towards
1: and and I will say this to to let's say set the scene. Describe a little bit about the property, um, just kind of rough over you, overview. We're looking in into southern Ohio, um, but roughly what what's the acreage like? And to to also reinforce the idea of goals and what is it you guys are just trying to achieve on the property itself, so people can understand why when we start talking about. The techniques that you guys have done and, and that, let's say, took precedence, why that was so important to achieve your guys' goals.
2: Absolutely. The property is 610 acres um, and it's it's got a lot of topo on it. It's, it's towards the Ohio River and um, kind of comes out of the more plateau, flat ground that as you go north, you get into more crop country and it kind of gets rolling and deep valleys and we certainly have some of that and the property is long seems like it's been kind of forgotten on the habitat side it was previously a cattle farm but it was just loaded with invasives which is you know the first thing that we kind of learned when Matt got there is we were facing a little bit of a challenge with that and and knew that and we willing to tackle it but uh, the property had some great amount of deer great amount of wildlife in a great area uh, we had some great deer on the farm already and mm-hmm. we're just eager to improve it and continue to to find a way to make that the most habitable area for mature whitetails and and the farm while we're there is is we're uh, passionate about whitetail hunting um, turkey hunting as well um, but but love love whitetail hunting that's 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 the main goal of the farm is to raise white tails to be as, as, as old and as, as best as they can be in best shape as possible. And we, uh, we started, uh, started hunting up there five, six years ago, Bucky, Bucky started hunting up there about eight years ago and had some leases and had some other farms and kind of, lucked in or found our way to this this track where we were able to put a couple of pieces together and get six hundred and ten contiguous acres with another three hundred and fifty or so next door that we were able to lease. So we have about a thousand acres there that we're running on and and able to run cameras on. And so it was just kind of a unique opportunity to do that. And uh, Bucky felt called to 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 get that property and doing what I love to do. I love to work on the habitat and he does as well and we were ready to put our work boots on and see if we can make that place into what it should be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, uh, that overview because it, it helps paint the picture of, okay, people are listening. Where, where are we talking about? What are those goals? And, and where are we kind of, where's the starting block at? Are, are, are we on a hundred yard dash? Are, are we, you know, starting at the 25 yard meter? Or, I mean, excuse me, 25 yard line or, or, or how far down the line are we on, on a good quality farm? And, and, you know, and let's say from my perspective, getting there and looking at Topo, knowing the knowing the area, um, there's a lot of really cool features about the property. The, the Topo is extreme. I mean, you would not really think about too much of it if If you haven't visited this area and i and I've spent time and work a lot in other portions of southern Ohio and it has a topography but but this is almost honestly to it to a different extreme um it's it's very steep but it does have a lot of opportunity from past land uses being cattle and now having incorporation of um some ag onto the property in timbered areas you have a lot that you can work with. And that was definitely um, exciting for, for me, getting on the property and saying, okay, there's so many different things that this property already is working with. And based on the previous land uses, we have open ground to be able to work with and manage and and take from, um, let's say, idle old pastures and make really great wildlife cover And food really quickly. So, so what is the balance here, Ryan, of the farm open to timbered acres?
2: So there's about 110, 120 ish in in row crops and in crop production right now. And um, then there was about the equivalent to that, maybe 130 acres or so of what idle pasture, Mm -hmm. uh, predominantly fescue. Um, and and then the balance being, you know, timber, um, and some of it had been cut. Some of it, some of it was ash that you know is to, due to the emerald ash borers kind of dying out. There was some some heavy areas of that, and um, you know it, it, the the balance being timber that was largely poorly managed.
1: Right, right. And and you guys did have um, a, a real, a, I would say, a dense concentration or composition of the timber being ash. And it, and it, it had died. Um, it, it's it been dead for many years. And the reason we could tell that, uh, one is partially the decay of the actual trees, how much had been um, limb-wise fallen off, and it was just either the single trunk left. But also another indicator was the amount of invasives, now that that was receiving way more sunlight on, on specific slopes, the amount of invasives that were taking in and filling in that understory since the borer had hit, and and in some areas, um, as you know, because you've been working in them here this last you know few months, it was very aggressive on autumn olive, bush honeysuckle, grass, multiflora rose, tree of heaven. Um, I'm probably missing missing a few, but it was numerous. There there was a there was a big base foundation honestly of of invasive species in some of these areas
2: you know until somebody like yourself comes on to your property or wherever you're trying to improve and kind of point some of that stuff out you can easily blindly just ride through and not realize what's going on mm-hmm. and after after getting in there and trying to take some of that area back it's it's uh it puts it in perspective really quick you start to look around you start to pay attention you start to notice the, the little saplings coming up the, the bigger more mature um especially autumn olive right uh, bush honey, so on. it's just it's sad it's sad that there's not a better better education process on that out there so that land doesn't get to that point to begin with mm-hmm. but uh you know it's so important what you guys do and what you guys help landowners understand because I just can't imagine another 10 years without us getting in here and getting our, rolling our sleeves up and attacking this stuff. I, I just, it,
1: yeah, I look at this, the seed source that's, that's there present and, and it's dwindling, right? You guys are attacking it, um, right. you know, mechanically and with herbicide and with prescribed fire. But at the same time, just, you know, imagine that seed source growing for ten more years, um, and, and the almost that rubber band type effect of neighboring properties, it's just uh, it it can get out of hand and and do so pretty exponentially um, in a short in a short amount of time frame. So you guys are definitely taking taking the the right approach there on the invasive species. So um, I get before we really start chunking away at okay, what the last six months have looked like for you, um, if you will because you've kind of been on both sides of the fence, right? You, you were a podcast listener and then then you guys decided to pull the trigger, have a consultation and then gotten one, we've been on site, you got a plan, you're putting into action for, for everyone that's listening, if you don't mind, kind of what were what was like if you will expectation of what a consult would be like and then, if you will, the roadmap that was um, prepared. Do you feel like? And, and I'm not. I guess I'm I'm setting myself up for because I know that you're. Let's say happy, and you guys are seeing results, and that's great. I'm 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 happy for that. But I don't I don't ask you this question to let's say pamper my behind. I guess what I'm asking is <laughs> how do you how, how do you take someone who's um, on the fence about having a consultation who is knowledgeable like you guys were because, because you have, um, and I may get this wrong, a, a horticultural, um, a degree. And so you understand plants, you understand biology, you know, how the natural world works. Um, so it's not like you went into, um, working with Bucky and, 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 and managing a farm and you guys are very successful hunters. It's not like you went into this blind, and again, I'm not saying share this this story or your your perspective to to make us look good, but like, how do you, how would you encourage someone or you know to to maybe take that leap and and maybe and I want to say put pride aside, but say I need help. What What, yeah, what would you do? What would you do? Well, how, how would you say that? Well,
2: so uh, a little bit about our past. Yeah, we we both were uh studied plant and soil science and uh, you know in, in college and uh, we, we owned a landscape company a large one and, and spent a lot of years in that we're very versed in, in plants uh, very very versed in um, agricultural practices and mm-hmm. and, and definitely uh, trained to 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 raise uh we were everything we were taught was monoculture monoculture so sure you know and and we took that into our habitat management which was the first when we first started getting into that going hey we can make farms better we can do this we took that mindset and and applied it to to managing farms for wildlife and Mm -hmm. habitat and and that was just that was an awful mistake we monoculture switchgrass uh so some of the stuff me and you talked about that yeah. we have done we, we had made a lot of mistakes in the past and you know it, it was it was kind of like hey I, I i remember one day I, I i was hungry thirsty for knowledge to to learn more and and thought man we're on this right path we, you know we're putting in we're putting in switchgrass we're making bed and we're doing we're doing all this we're doing all this and 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 i remember running across you guys this, podcast and listening and going well well that that sounds a little different than, than what i've been reading on these facebook groups what i've been what i've been seeing on youtube uh, you know maybe let me, let me listen to this for a minute and you know went back and listened to a lot of your guys's previous podcast and a lot of it made sense talking about diversity trying to trying to get the native landscape back into a, a place where humans have 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 over tried to override it for years and and paid the consequences the habitat had. And so we, we, uh, I started to listen to that and I thought, man, that, that really makes a lot of sense. And The more you listen to it, the, the more it makes sense. And, but still the light bulb didn't go off. I, I, you know, Bucky uh, had had some previous farms and we had done a lot of habitat improvement stuff ourselves. And as far as layout and things go that that's fine, but we were missing something and I knew we were, Mm -hmm. um, and I knew there was more, um, and, and so we wanted to, to try to explore that. And, and I did a lot of research on habitat consultants. Yeah. Uh, we, we wanted to make sure that we understood what we were doing and what the goals were. And, and, you know, your guys' message just made the most sense when you look at it from a scientific basis, from a, from a common sense basis, Right? Uh, you know, it, it, it just makes sense. And so we, we wanted to get you on site and, when we did, it was, you know, I—I'll I, be honest. I, I rode through the farm. Yes, I, I know what now, especially uh, autumn olive and bush honeysuckle, and but I—but I didn't realize the impact they were having on the property. Sure. Until you were there, and and it didn't take long for you to start putting things in perspective. For the light bulbs to start going off in my head. For hell, okay, that makes sense. You know, it, it just—it needed to be it needed to be pointed out almost, Right. Um, you know, this area, look, this is, it, you see what's happening in this area. This is what everything's going to look like. This is not habitat, you know, and, and it wasn't, and mm-hmm. it was absolutely, um, the right call to get you guys to come in and, and, and point that stuff out because I don't know that we would have ever had the uh, I guess mindset or our, our plan probably would have led us to do other things first sure, and that would have just gotten further out of hand. So, right. and I would have gone in and cut embedding areas or things like that. I would have done that, yep. but I wouldn't have removed the invasives like you had me do. Right. I wouldn't have taken the steps that in the plan that you laid out, you laid out a plan that listed perfect priorities of how to work through this and why, and from somebody that does have, you know, a, a plant science background, it made perfect sense once it was laid out on paper. But I would have gone about it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something that we had worked through before. Uh, it's not something that we were trained on in the past. And and so when we when we tackled this, it, it made a lot of sense. But we certainly would have not been able to to put that plan together on our own.
1: Well, um, and and and. You made you made a great point of just. You guys would have, and and again, you guys are great hunters. I don't. I did That was the one thing. I, you know, I, I take away f- myself from the the consultations. Y'all, y'all know how to hunt deer. Y'all know how to figure where they're at, where they're gonna be at, where you need to get at, where you can't get at. All that was great. You know that it it was a matter of let's make this property just as good as it could be during during the consultation. But it, it's, it's, the, it's the, let's say, the, the where do you start at? You guys could have put the bedding areas probably in some of the same locations across the farm. They just would have made sense to a deer hunter. But it, it was the, we need to make sure we take the right steps in the right order so that you get that end result and not do put a bedding area in, cut it in, and then walk away and not have the benefit of natives coming back and just be making, honestly, um, a breeding ground for the non-native and invasive plants. And that simple, let's say, switch and change to the priority maybe would have, or hopefully will, fuel taking the bedding thickets and taking them across the entire place instead of, just doing one or two and not getting the result that you hope for, and just have Japanese stiltgrass come back in in that understory, opposed to hazelnuts, opposed to blackberry, opposed to raspberry. You know, stump sprouts from um, gosh, you guys had hickories, you guys had walnuts, you guys had a lot of black locusts. Uh, there there's so many. Sprouting opportunities: maples, hard maples, red maples. Um, so, I- anyhow, there's just going in first and foremost, and addressing the bad, take that out of the equation, is going to allow the end result to be much better, and then fuel that passion to continue progressing throughout the rest of the farm. And so,
2: that's exactly right.
1: It, it's almost like how do we how do we create in the plan momentum at the beginning to fuel the rest of it because. You know, first and foremost, because you've you've been keeping me updated on what you guys have been d- doing and accomplishing in the last six months. Y- y'all have been flat working, like th- it's not it's not just the oh let's go up to the farm this weekend and hang some cameras and put out a few stands and whatever. No, it's this is work. I mean, y'all are and y'all have been getting after it. So you kind of have to have that momentum at the beginning to make sure the rest of the plan gets put into action too.
2: Well, I can say this, we're on a mission and, and we, we're, we are on a mission and we're working hard and, Mm -hmm. and we wouldn't be that way if the plan you didn't lay out, didn't inspire us the way it has. And we didn't understand if The light bulbs didn't go off. The light right. bulbs went off. We told – I mean, we're just – there's so much confidence behind what we're doing because we understand it now. Right, right. A- and it makes perfect sense, whereas we may have been scratching our heads before. Like, are we doing this right? And and honestly, just – I mean, as we've done some habitat stuff in the past, and we've, we've burned some monoculture switchgrass, which mm-hmm. was a huge mistake, but <laughs> – um, but And we've, we've done that stuff, but honestly, just getting you on site, laying out the roads, getting all that, giving us the confidence to go in and now put prescribed fire as, as an ongoing um, habitat tool is, is huge. Because before, we would have been guessing, are we doing this right? Are we doing it? Fire is like, gosh, I've, I've started to learn about fire. That, there's right. an amazing science behind that. Isn't it? And the way you guys yeah. lay it out. And, and put it in the rotation and how it fits into the plan as a whole. And it, it, it makes a lot of sense, but you need somebody with a lot of experience. Um, that's not something that you're going to be able to, to just pick up and just do. Um, you, you know, it, you're know, you going to make a lot of mistakes before you get that done right. And so you know, giving us the confidence to, to move forward with your plan has, has really helped us have the confidence to get it all done.
1: So do you think that... having a clear plan and let's say that confidence built into um, walking the property with you, going over the plan um, afterwards and, and, and whatever the documentation's incorporated there, that confidence has allowed you to increase your speed and the rate of change, because that's one of the things that, you know, you can't let's say market and sell, right. But, but what we hope is that that confidence Allows you to be able to attack the property in such a like a spearheaded way that you can. We're not talking leapfrog years ahead of time frame, but if you're not taking the time to second guess and wonder all the time, then that's time that you're working and that's time that you're spraying uh, out fescue or cutting or spraying invasives. You're just that much more. Um, uh, efficient, oh, efficient at the work that you're doing, right? Do you think that you would be as far down the line if there wasn't a the plan in place?
2: I think the term you and you and Adam uh, use a lot and is is ROI, and yeah. and I I, I, can't, I can't I can't even begin to describe that the ROI from having you on on site. It's not only saved us time; it's saved us money, um, and, and and that's huge. I right. mean, you, you know, we're we're, you only have so long to, to enjoy, you know, especially when you don't live on a farm. And, right. and you know, we're from Nashville and, and we, we drive five hours up there. So every time we're there, our results are maximized because of the plan. Good. And, and that that's huge. And and we have confidence in what we're doing. We know what we're going to do when we go up there. Um, and, and there's a laundry list. <laughs> so we can we kinda of pick and choose. So and and I may it may be easy for me to go, Well, I'm gonna go work on this food plot or I'm gonna do this over here and uh, you know, something that may not be as high on the priority list for what our long term goals are yeah. without the plan that you guys laid out and it really keeps us on track and good and that, that goes a long way. That yeah. goes a long way.
1: Absolutely, absolutely good. And and I I know that we like Adam and I, we talk about that. Often, but the reason, honestly, the 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 true value um, for having you on, Ryan, is is that the this is straight from the horse's mouth. Um, I know I'm probably it sounds like I might be feeding you, you know, the the lines or whatever. But these are conversations that that you and I have had in the past, and now we're just having it and making it accessible for. Others to be able to say, okay, I was wondering if that would be one of the benefits of of having a plan, or is it what value does it really actually bring? And so, um, you know, I, I hope that people are, are are seeing the benefit and hearing that, hey, this is someone who's gone through the process. This is someone who who um, is not hired nor paid to do this. This is just your your feelings and thoughts about it. Um,
2: Absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And and I want to stress that, I mean, if you're on the fence and, and you really care about this and you're passionate uh, ab- about your property or about hunting and, and about building a legacy, I, I, I can't tell you how much we feel like Matt and Adam brought to the table to really change our process, change our mindset and get us going down the right path. And I mean, it's just you know, sometimes you got to put your pride aside and even though you kind of, we're still getting our hands dirty. We're still doing the work. We were very involved in the process. Mm -hmm. Matt, you, you gave us a lot of, of, of time and, uh, energy to put our input in. Right. I mean, we had, I felt like we had a hand in the whole process, which meant a lot to us and, and meant a lot to us. It may not be the case with some other guys, but you know, consultants out there. And, and we, we really feel like, you listen to our needs and you set the property up for what we wanted to do, and and Very good. I mean it, it, it worked out great.
1: Wonderful, I'm I'm glad to hear that because you guys do, you guys are on the property way more than than I am. Or if Adam was to come and visit with you guys, you guys have experience that in observations of wildlife that are important to to us to be able to help <laughs> build that plan. You're an integral part of it um along the way so that that time spent those ask, those questions asked um definitely help us build out you know what it is you you receive there in the end but um you know another another thing I want want people to learn from is let's talk about the work that you've done and and get kind of your observations of how wildlife have have responded um thus far and again this is this is I worked I was at the property in early March and, and it's mid August right now. Um, so not that much time, not even a full growing season has, has gone by. Um, but, but let's give a quick recap, Brian, of, of the things that you guys have accomplished. Let's talk about the practices and then, and then some of the acreage. And then we'll, we'll start talking about some of the the wildlife observations that you've had. So what has the last six months on the property looked like for you guys?
2: so you were there in early march and and uh shortly after that uh, we we started cutting invasives in the bedding areas that you had recommended and Mm -hmm. um and 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 doing that in order to you know really get that under control before we started uh, putting sunlight to the ground right and 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 so we we spent uh, a lot of march uh doing that um we were bush honeysuckle autumn olive getting that getting that that was the primary stuff that we were cutting getting getting out of those bedding areas at that time um stump spraying and then uh then we were moving to um taking care of a lot of the idle pasture that fescue
1: right
2: that was everywhere we even had fescue growing in the woods uh, i mean That's right. yeah this place was just riddled with fescue which would be great probably for for a cattle guy but um we're we were had some different goals than that, so <laughs> right, right. so we went out. We went out. We had a hundred gallon uh, sprayer that goes in the back of a Ranger, and I mean, we're on the sides of of slopes and things like that. So it's quite a tedious process, but we, we sprayed 120 acres or so of of idle pasture, and it has just exploded back. Um, actually, you were able to use one of our pictures yes. on the "This is not that." episode that's right yeah yeah back. yeah absolutely yeah so that was one of the areas that uh that we were able to spray there i think we sprayed that area march 23rd mm-hmm. and it just exploded back and if i took a picture of it now it's well over my head wow. and yeah and 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 so we we've, we've had a great response um in in uh, all the areas and we've seen it make an impact on the deer um and the turkeys So we're, it is no, um, no, no strange thing to see eight, nine poults with, with one or two hens, um, right now and, and flushing those out. We're seeing them on our trail cameras. So the, the, the the turkeys have definitely responded. The poults have definitely responded. That's not something that I can recall. We've only been on the farm for about 18 months. Right. Um, and so we don't have a ton of history. Sure. Um, but as far as, as far as what we saw last year and this year, the poultry are just, uh, they, they really look like we have impacted the, a very successful hatch. Yeah. So we're excited to see that because we know that that means a lot about where your habitat is and how it's responding.
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: and and also uh, the deer, um, like I said, we, we have about 120 acres of row crops, which is in soybeans. And last year they're just places that, we could set our cameras and, and they were going to be there, uh, in the evenings. And it didn't happen like that this year. The the deer didn't show up in the same places <laughs> they didn't show up in the same times. And it threw me for a loop for a little bit. And I was getting nervous. I was like, gosh, we've, we've done something here. You know, what have I done? You yeah. know? Yeah. And so, no, I mean, uh, you know, we, we adjusted the cameras around and, I mean, they're they're living and they're living in different places and 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 they're not relying on the bean fields the way they were and that's just amazing. You know, if if you ask any any whitetail hunter around, you give them a bean field, and you know, that's just the magic. That's that's the end all be all, all they need, right? Right. And, uh, I would have certainly thought that, but I, I'm I'm telling you, uh, they they much prefer the that old field, um, and they spend a lot of time in there, and and it's amazing. Uh, to see how they've responded to that. And, and I'm excited to see how they continue to respond to the improvements that we make. So it, it's been, it's been great to see, to see how the deer have, how comfortable they are. I feel like I can drive around the farm and not be on eggshells because, yeah, yeah you know, we didn't we mean, talk we too were. much about
1: that, yeah. but you know, and I want to kind of paint that picture for everyone listening you know, with the steepness of the topography, a lot of the roads um, or access was was on ridge tops. And if you know Southern Ohio, your ridge tops—that's where the, these fields or crop fields would have been at. So as you're driving on the majority of the property to access and move throughout it, you're exposed on a ridgeline and driving across wide open. Old pastures that were still just dominated with the fescue. You had a couple pockets that had some some goldenrod coming up through them, but but really, I mean, it was wide open across um, the ridge tops, and then the crop fields. Of course, they were wide open as well during during the March timeframe. And so, one of those things I remember talking about on the 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 consultation was, hey, when you spray this out, you're access is going to change drastically even though the road may not shift or the road shifts a little bit here and there you're going to feel much different going throughout the property because you're going to be hidden and and deer certainly will be way more hidden they're going to be in these fields during daylight hours opposed to on the fringes along the edges just poking out because they're actually going to have the cover so that, that um ability for you to navigate the farm and deer and other wildlife feel more secure, it's gonna be there. We just got to get the fescue out. And now it's gone. You said it's head high. You know, so we're 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 talking hundred and twenty acres, that was maybe two foot tall, two and a half foot tall um during the during the growing season now is five and six foot tall. And and the forage is rivaling and out competing ag soybeans. And you 100%. have cover. That's crazy. And and in, yep. in, in, in a matter of six months and addressing one feature of the property. Get fescue gone. And and not everyone can have let's say that native expression come back um, like you guys have seen. It doesn't work like that for everybody. But the previous land use and seeing some of the goldenrod and the, the other plant species and forbs that we were seeing dotted throughout the property told me, we're going to have a great response. And, and here it is, rounding out the end of growing season one and woo, look out because the food is everywhere, out-competing beans in, in ag country. That's awesome, man.
2: Yeah, it's awesome to see, and and it's great to be able to move around the property and not just not just feel like, gosh, every time I go out here I'm bumping a deer, or yeah. you know, we're, 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 we we can't get around and check cameras, and now we do. And even if we bump a deer, they they go forty yards and they they're you know they they've disappeared from our view. You know, sure. I don't feel like we run them off the property
1: anymore. Right, they're not having so, to go down to the next big drain and use topography to block them from. From you know you, they're just going and utilizing the cover that's forty yards deep away from you, and then they stop. You might see ear tips, and and that's about it. And that lower stress level, way more food, they can get up and start feeding. All of that in the long, the long game, the long term, we're talking about increasing the fitness and the health of of not only a, a herd but the individuals that make up that herd. And oh, absolutely. When you're talking about trying to grow bigger deer, when you're trying to we're trying to to take trophy class animals, that lifetime of low stress environment, high fitness as an individual, it makes a difference. You're not going to necessarily see that in one growing season. However, over the course of cohorts or multiple generations. You think of a think of a spike or or a or a two and a half year old. Last year he was growing in this one farm, and now he's seeing it completely different. The resources available to him as an individual drastically changed, and so you're going to take just your your typical Southern Ohio property and just pump it with steroids for these deer and and other wildlife as a whole, of course. But you can almost get into the nitty gritty of talking about the individuals that are going to be experiencing changes within themselves to express more potential throughout their lifetime. And that's what takes, let's say, a, an average of a four, five, six-year-old deer in, in the, you know, 140s to 150, and you start bumping it up and, and averaging out 60s, 70s, 80s. That's what we're talking about
2: absolutely absolutely yeah and 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 it's been really encouraging just like you said the the stress level how we feel like we're able to move around the farm our access when it comes to hunting season we feel like we're going to be able to get in on the the deer a lot better we're not just forced to hunting kind of these little pockets or corners where they're coming out into a bean field and a lot of times we may not even have a situation where that's huntable sure and and now the way the farm is set up it's 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 much more huntable, and and you guys laid all that out, and 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 made a lot of that possible, and and your plan lays that out from from start to finish. As far as here's how we're going to work the stands and the access, you guys think about all of that, right? And, and that's that's been that's been key for kind of helping us move forward, also with a, a lot of confidence.
1: Well, and and that's the thing too. I, I guess you know, you guys are 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 great hunters, and sometimes. If you almost work that angle, everyone everyone out there listening has heard, seen, observed from a tree stand the way deer move across a property. So, so if almost from an angle of um, while in the field, you can paint the picture of a scenario, a hunting scenario, and say, okay, just picture yourself here opposed to over there, accessing like this. And the reason that you can't do that now is because the vegetation or the habitat doesn't allow you to do that. You can't walk across this, this giant opening without being exposed to where deer are choosing to bed. But however, if we change where they're choosing to the bed and then encourage old field management in between here and there, now that makes this location accessible. So you don't have to be this um, 15-year-old veteran of of hunting and being around old field to realize that, hey, I know how deer work what he's saying in the field that makes sense. I can I can understand how now deer are going to naturally flow through this portion or this way throughout this terrain feature simply if we just change what's growing around it. Exactly. So exactly that's that's the what we hope to let's say encourage and paint a picture this visualization of what a property is going to turn into. It doesn't happen overnight. But it, it gets there. I will say this. If you're spraying out half of your open areas and now have five or six to, foot tall vegetation of, of native species. And, and we're talking, someone's going to ask. So, so, you know, you've gotten good at uh, plant identification. Um, and I know, I know that that's gotten important to you as you've learned the, the value of diversity. But um, any ones that I don't name that you can think of, Ryan, Feel free to chip in, but, you know, I see pictures of full of common ragweed, giant ragweed, pokeweed, uh, beggar's lice. I see uh, wart I've seen um, goldenrod. I've seen blackberry. Uh, maybe giant... Milkweed. Milkweed, and,
2: yeah. Yeah, that's another one that's pretty pretty prevalent, but I think you hit a lot of it on the head there. Um, and we're also starting to, I mean, we've sprayed <laughs> a lot. So that old field uh, that was... <laughs> idle pasture that was fescue before yeah. had uh, a, a lot of, of uh the invasive rows and and um we we've spread we went around and really hammered that
1: yep the multi-floor rows multi-floor rows and we had
2: to come back and really really hammer that and, and and i feel like that's made a big impact as well sure um that's made a big impact as well i was a little worried i was like oh gosh that's cover you know but I, uh-huh. I'm so glad that you guys got us out of that mindset. You know, before, I thought that was a beneficial thing. I yeah. mean, it's, and, you know, it, 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 Now that I see it all unfold, it, it, it really is it's amazing, the impact if you go in there and allow the native landscape to come back.
1: Well, you know what? When, when you don't have the ability to have, uh, experience what the native vegetation can do, In relation to species like autumn olive, multiflora rose, when when your landscape is dominated by that, you almost get this superficial value placed on that species because the structure can be valuable when it's the only thing out there. But when you promote native plants and the diversity of native plants in comparison, like a side-by-side comparison... There's not a comparison, but but if you haven't experienced the native diversity, you can't you can't like understand completely how good it is stacked up next to it. But but right here you've got a perfect example. of One year to the next, it's like whoa, holy cow! And it hasn't even matured. This is again year one expression. Um, so one of the other things that we talked pre-show and and I know this is, can be a a hang-up for a lot of people or just a common question, let's say, is when you spray old field, you guys sprayed in late March through, through April, um, you know, week to two weeks after spraying that cool season fescue grass, you were left with a lot of dead thatch, dead vegetation, and that's years of buildup, um, of, uh, and, and. The new growth that you guys sprayed out, people always ask, "Should I burn that off or should I not and And you have um, examples of units where you guys burned and the examples where you guys did not have the opportunity or time to be able to burn. So what do you say? straight from the horse's mouth what What's the difference between burning thatch off, going into a spring growing season after you've terminated fescue? What's the comparison there?
2: Oh it's it's night and day. You burn it off. I mean and and we got kind of we were you know going up during windows of opportunities when we could when the weather was right and trying to spray and and so I, I didn't get the chance to to stop and burn because we were continuing to spray, but I right. wish I would have the areas the the few areas we did get burned, I mean the responses especially later in the years is, is is really it's it's tremendous. Uh, fire is an amazing tool and and really getting to see that now in the past we've burnt areas that was mostly a maintenance tool for you know monoculture stuff but when you put that into a native landscape it's amazing how it how it responds um and and so i would say 100 percent burn and and we're looking forward to going back this this february and getting those areas that we didn't get last year and and that that's still being there as you've talked about and um, you know, the additional fuels as well. We're, we're, we're going to make sure we get it all burnt and I can't wait to see how, how everything else responds. Uh, I, I can only imagine as, as we're able to improve that, that wildlife will, will do so right there with it.
1: They absolutely will. Absolutely. That's so, that's so exciting. And I, any, any other points or any other thing that you want to say to to folks listening um, about, let's say some of the stuff that, you guys have done you've accomplished um any any other let's say words of wisdom um that you might be able to say to someone who is they they just listening they just want to um they're not even considering a, a consultation they're just listening and thinking is is there really value in all the stuff that gets said every week is there value there
2: i'd say don't wait um you know (laughs) (laughs) don't wait Uh, it's amazing how fast if if it's going in the wrong direction it it goes it goes in the wrong direction fast and if you can get uh you know you guys out there and your expert eyes on on things to point out it's the little details right i mean we understood a lot of things we had a great base and 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 i would have said that gosh we, we would have never have letting things get out of hand or we would have noticed if they were prior to having you on site and the understanding and the, the way you guys helped open our eyes to what was going on and what would continue to happen. Otherwise was, I mean, it's invaluable. And, and I'm, and I'm glad we didn't wait. I'm glad, I'm glad we uh, chose guys like yourselves with a message like you have um, you know, some other guys may have came out, and you know they, their focus may have been on layout or food plots, or their focus may have been on uh, you know getting a timber company in, and, and but not getting those areas that you timber addressed prior to that right. with with clearing those invasives out. I mean, it would have done zero good. Right. Um, you know, in the long run, it might have had some short term gains there. Sure. Um, and yep. and they may have responded well the first two or three years, but. 10 years. Um, and, and I see what some of those areas look like. We talked about the ash earlier yeah. and some of those areas that were ash and it's died out and it's been dead for a while. I mean, it's just a hundred percent invasives and a deer couldn't even move through. There's zero value.
1: There. Right. And
2: I can only imagine 10 years from now. Yeah. So don't wait, you know, if, if you're considering it or if you're wondering, right. Hey, is my property the best that it can be? And and this is, you you have that passion and that desire, not only not only for hunting, but just for your land as alone,
0: That's you it. know, and, and yeah. what
2: that looks like. You know, I mean, it want to benefit the wildlife, but I want this place to to be like you guys talk about it all the time—a legacy and and leaving that and something that we're we're taking a lot of pride and getting it getting it cleaned
1: up and addressed, and knowing that man, we're going to leave it better than than we found it with. And and there's. You might not have someone that obvious that comes out every single day and says, "Wow, this place looks good." But but when you when you're knowledgeable about the things that you're doing and you know the weight that they carry, you don't need everyone else to let's say pat you on the back. As a, as a as a landowner, as a guy who's managing the land intensely like you are, man, you can just go out and see it. You you drive down the road 5 more miles and you don't see anything else as valuable as what it is you've created you know you're doing the right stuff you know that you're making a positive impact and then you can see the little wins when when you have you know on every ridge there's there's multiple hens with eight or nine pults running out in front of you as as you're driving by you've got a high fawn recruitment rate you've got all the deer that you've been hunting for the past past few years they're there and bigger and, and staying on you that much more time. It's all those little things that, that continue to add up and say, okay, I know I'm doing the right stuff. I know I'm making the right decisions and I'm making a positive impact. But it, it is important as a landowner to to make sure that you're leaving a legacy. Um, I don't think it's always been, let's say, the, the forefront of landowners' minds. And I think that we... We now that we know more and more about land management and the way that things naturally work in these systems that we realize, wow, maybe we were a little out of touch. But going forward, we can reverse all that and we can make those decisions and and take actions just like you guys are to leave such a positive impact. So, you know, let's say Bucky owns a place for the rest of his life, great. But at some point, someone else is going to take hands and take ownership of it. And um, there's going to be a heck of a story that you guys are going to leave your mark on it. And that's exciting. And so I'm, I'm happy that, that we could be a small part of it. And um, I hope that your message today gets someone else fueled up and jazzed up about the opportunity to leave an impact on their place positively with more game healthier landscape memories created that's the power of owning land you have all that right there at your fingertips and and i appreciate you taking the time today ryan and sharing your journey um i I know you guys are going to have success there this fall and winter and in the next years to come as you guys are managing the land and continuing to to just digest and and put into practice the the you'll be back on at at, uh, at another point but um, until then thank you again for your time and best wishes this fall it's seasons coming fast if you i, I know you know this but it just hit me the other day i was like oh my gosh <laughs> it's like Literally, I guess today is... It's like thir- 35
2: days or something. I mean, it's, yeah. we're counting the days. I I'm, mean, it's, it's coming fast. My, we're, we're excited.
1: My mind is blown. But yeah, I, I'm getting jazzed up here too. So so best wishes this fall, man. And um, tell Bucky, I said hey, but uh, keep in touch. Let me know when one of them big boys hits the ground.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Tell Adam we said hey as well, and uh look forward to talking to you guys soon.
1: All right, man. I appreciate it. All
2: right, thanks.
1: All right, guys, well, there you have it, Mr. Ryan Manners from Tennessee, and um, good friend Bucky, I obviously enjoyed working with them a lot, and they get it, Um, they just flat out get it, and are driven, they know what they want to do with the property, they know where they want to take it, and honestly, it was a little tweaking of knowledge, and and that developing of a plan, And, and i so pumped up and jazzed up to see that continued success that they're both gonna have and experience on that property. So um I I I Adam and I are always trying to find this fine line between um sharing information and and having previous clients or clients on the podcast just due to the fact that we don't want it to sound like it's just flat out a commercial for us. But it's valuable to have someone else in a different perspective, not just Adam and I talk about this stuff. You have to know the value from other people and the way that they are able to take this information and apply it to their property. And so that's why we had Ryan on. And uh, we certainly appreciate his time. And the and we hope that you found value in what it was he was saying um, because the the efficiency at the way that, that they're operating that farm and implementing the plan is, is awesome. And so I uh, hope you guys were able to pick up on that. Know that they're taking that property into um, a direction of success. And so we'll, we'll certainly have them back on, but, but again, hope you guys found the, found the value in that. Um, but we certainly appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys following along um Leave a comment on, on iTunes. Leave a review. Guys, we, we certainly appreciate that. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out directly to us at Land and Legacy. You can go right there to the website website and click contact. Send us an email or go to info at landandlegacy.tv. Go on social media. Send us a message. Guys, we, we love that interaction. And um, appreciate everyone listening. Hopefully you learned something this week. Take it, apply it, and best wishes out there on the land. We will catch you guys next week. Yep. Yeah.